Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to this 134th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. This is the big show recorded right before Christmas. I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever else it is that you do. Before we get into it today, I do want to remind you to share the show with everyone you know. Of course, remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilberry 318 or that's Christopher H. Bilberry on Facebook. All right. Joining us for this episode is a longtime Facebook friend and a woman who has never hesitated to put me in my place when she has had an opinion that has differed from mine, Mrs. Amber Green. Amber, it's great to have you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So I've been on the hunt for a co-host, and you reached out and said you would be interested in giving this a try. I said, hey, that would be fantastic because I know that we agree quite a bit, but you're also someone who doesn't care to let me know what you think and let me know when you think that I'm wrong. And I don't think that you're someone who will just agree with me just to do it. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So for those playing along at home, why don't we... First, start here, because this is obviously mostly a political show, although I do other pieces and I talk about other community points of interest or human interest stories. Where do you feel that you fall on the political spectrum as far as your involvement or your knowledge or your understanding or or how much you follow? Do you... Consider yourself someone on the low side, right in the middle, or on the high side of things? I would say I'm I'm probably medium. I don't I don't spend hours every day researching, you know, the local or national goings on in politics, but I have never missed a chance to vote since I've been legally able to do so. And I make sure that I'm educated, you know, sure. on what's going on. Absolutely. So, so I'm somewhere in the middle. I would say you're a little bit more than halfway. I, I feel like you seem to be pretty on top of things with a lot of our communications on social media. You seem to be in the know or at least if you don't have a complete understanding of what's going on, you at least have common sense enough to be able to discuss the topic and to be able to base an opinion out of common sense and everything else going on around. And that's a lot more than you can say about a lot of other people. So I've got to give you credit there. And again, I have to say, you're not someone who's willing to just go with the status quo and you 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 don't just go along with the get along you won't just agree with something that I say because I'm saying it very true <laughs> all right that is fair enough let me ask you this as far as left right or moderate where do you fall on the political spectrum as far as your beliefs and and I do want to preface this as I've said many times on the local level it really doesn't matter we're not discussing uh, Second Amendment rights issues or immigration or abortion. So our elected officials and our, our issues with elected officials and what elected officials are doing doesn't really have to follow the national narrative or the same left-right kind of paradigm and thinking. So that really doesn't matter on the local level. However, we do discuss state politics here, and we do discuss national politics here. And just so we get kind of a baseline understanding of where you're at, where do you consider yourself on that 
uh, scale. Well, I'm definitely more right. But with that being said, I will equally call out both sides. Crap is crap. Yep. Whether it's left crap or right crap or middle crap. Right, right. So that's that's where I fall. <laughs> that's good. That's very good. So you'll fit in fine here. Now, besides the political talk, what are other things that you're interested in? What are your hobbies? Tell us a little bit about your family. Give the audience a little bit of insight into what makes Amber tick. So aside from politics, um, I would say that my my interests fall somewhere in this mashup of there's a lot of kids in this house and yep. there's a lot of makeup. <laughs> okay. So you can imagine where that may go. Right. I the beauty industry holds a very special place in my heart, and that is definitely um, not only was that part of my career, I would definitely consider that my hobby, I sure. guess you can say. Um, and I have three children and a husband, so there's there's them. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. I think you have a wonderful family. What are the age ranges of your children? So I have a nine-year-old, uh, nine and a half, and I have five-year-old twins. Wow. Uh, twins. That's definitely a handful. Absolutely. That's uh, They sound like great ages. That's a good time to be uh, a parent of kids, you're you're uh, really in a good age range there. They're starting to really grow into actual people that you can do things with. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, so for those that are listening that do not know you or are not familiar with you, like I said a moment ago, you are a resident here of Delaware County. Uh, your husband works in public safety. He's a police officer. Uh, here uh, for one of the uh, small towns in in Delaware County. You guys, you're probably here because of that career path. You're probably here long-term, or at least for the foreseeable future. Yes, uh, barring any... You know, extraordinary lottery wins or anything like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> right. Yeah. There is a Facebook page called For the Love of Old Houses. And I've got a couple Facebook friends that always show these beautiful homes. And there's actually a home that I found on there that is in Johnstown, Ohio, that I have my eye on and is absolutely a magnificent old home. And if I ever win the lottery, that's where I would like to go. Uh, I probably need to start playing the lottery in order to win it. But if I ever do start playing it and I do win, then I would absolutely buy that home in Johnstown, Ohio. Now, I would also purchase a winter home someplace warm because I would need that but I absolutely love that house in Jonestown, Ohio. Yeah, I can assure you, if if we move, it's not going to be to Ohio. <laughs> well, yeah, that I knew I knew that you would have something to say about that. Uh, I mean, I would definitely get someplace warm, but this this home is uh, is absolutely amazing. And you know, I'll I'll be honest, I I don't know what about the winter that I have a problem with. I say different things, but I really don't mind being cold. Hell, I've worn shorts every day this winter so far, although we haven't had a bad winter, and I probably won't be wearing shorts this coming Friday when it's supposed to be 19. But I used to love, love, love the winters. I loved snow. As bad as a winter as we could have, the better off I was. But about 2014 or so... I think we had a really bad winter, and like something inside of me broke. I, I don't really know, so I started having a problem with it. But I will tell you, the last couple winters, I have been pretty much okay with. The thing that I really don't like is the lack of daylight. It could be cold all year round as long as we had more daylight. And on that note, I will say, as of the date of this recording... December 22nd, 2020, 
we are now increasing in daylight. The shortest day of the year was December 21st, 2020, and now we are increasing little by little each day. Did you know that? Yes. That's great news. I love when the daylight starts increasing. Every year I pay attention to the summer and winter solstice because I know that I'm either going to start getting in a bad mood because the daylight is decreasing or like, for example, now I'm happy because I know little by little we're going to keep getting a little lighter and a little lighter and it's something that makes my day so wonderful. I, I absolutely love that. All right, before we progress on further, I do want to say this episode 134 is being recorded just a couple days before Christmas, so there's nothing really big going on, and since this is an introduction show for Amber, I didn't really want to be covering anything too heavy or crazy since it's right before Christmas and it's her first episode. This is more a chance for you guys to get a listen to us talk and for you guys to determine if it's something that you can listen to, which I have to say, the fact that you've been able to listen to me for the last 130-some episodes just the way that you have is absolutely amazing. Sometimes I struggle listening to me, but I am eternally grateful for all of you who come back week after week after week, so I will say thank you. But I wanted to just let you guys know that we're not really covering any major pressing situations. This is just really a chance for you guys to kind of get to know Amber and to hear how we interact together. So before we get into a little bit of politics and news and other goings-on in our neck of the woods, tell me a little bit about what you have going on in your life as far as your business. I believe you've got a business, and what, what kind of spurred this to happen was the fact that you've been going live on Facebook, and you've kind of been doing a video vlog or video podcast uh, every so often, and I think that's kind of what has has helped this. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. So long story short, COVID uh, completely derailed my career. Okay. So I, I love my children, but I'm not meant to be a quote-unquote stay-at-home mom. <laughs> okay. And that's what I've been since the middle of March. I was let go, uh, laid off because of COVID. And my career started with makeup, skincare. Um, the last two years I'd been dealing more in the hair care salon world. Um, but I really missed makeup and skincare and what it did for me, what it did for my relationships and what it does for the people that use it. Um, so I decided to get involved with beauty counter and I've been doing that since, um, I don't like the end of August. And what is that? Beauty counter is a makeup and skincare brand that partners with individuals like myself um, and also partners with this cool little store that you might have heard of called Sephora. And the the cool thing about Beauty Counter is we advocate for better laws regarding skincare, body care, and makeup. There's not been a change to the laws and what products, what ingredients can be put into those products. Oh, wow. Since the late 1800s. Which, as you can imagine, there's probably been a lot more ingredients invented since then. Oh, yeah. Safer. Definitely safer. Yes. So that's one of the cool things about Beauty Counter. We have 1,500 ingredients on our never list that we refuse to use that many of your other mainstream luxury beauty brands are using every day. Okay. So I've got some cool makeup and skincare that I get to use, that I get to play with, and that I also get to get into the hands of my friends and family and clients to make their daily routines safer. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's a kind of a weird thing that I know about because I'd listened to a podcast a little bit 
ago that talked about the long history of deadly substances that were in beauty products. And I researched that a little bit, you know, so uh, that's something that's very interesting that, you know, they used to use lead and mercury was found in a lot of uh, beauty products and arsenic and radium. The radium (laughs) deal is what's crazy to me that that radium was was used. And so just because we don't use those chemicals in products like that, like you said, there's still a lot of things that that could be harmful and, and are harmful if used, you know, every day for, you know, 40 or 50 years. It could be very detrimental to your health. That's interesting. That's definitely something that people should know. And I think that that's neat that your company does that. I definitely didn't know that that was a part of your company. So that's interesting to know. Yeah. Well, I guess now is as good a time as any. If any of the listeners would like to get in contact with you to look at any of your beauty products, to look at any of your videos that you produce, to ask questions or find out what you have, or to order anything, why don't you give the listeners your contact information and how they can find you on social media so we can get them and you hooked up if they so want to check out anything that you have going on? Well, I have a direct link, and that link can be found uh, just by typing in www.beautycounter.com slash ambergreen. And my last name has an E at the end of it. Please don't forget, if you need to call me Amber Greeny to make yourself remember, I guess yeah. you can do that. Um, so that is, that is the easiest way to shop. And as always, you can, can message me. And I have a Facebook page um, that, that showcases some of the products, but also just kind of showcases me and my day-to-day goings-on. And that is found at A Touch of Green on Facebook. I think that's a really cool play on your name for the Facebook page. Thank you. Folks, if anybody is interested in checking this out, I think you should definitely check this out. She does talk about more than beauty products in her live videos. It's definitely worth a view, especially if you're a woman or if there's a woman in your life, I definitely think you ought to check that out. And for everybody that wants to know, I will put all of her contact information in the summary of this episode description, and you'll be able to access it all there. Before we move on from here, I do have to ask you, because I've recently been turned on to watching this, and I know that this is going to kill a lot of my street cred, but this is like my junk TV or my guilty pleasure, my guilty obsession, whatever you want to call it. I've recently been turned on to watching, I don't know what you would call them, beauty influencers or beauty makeup specialists or train wrecks, I guess would be a a, a more suitable name. But they're the folks that go on various social media platforms, primarily YouTube and Instagram, and they give the tutorials and they talk about different lines of makeup. And then at some point, they'll end up doing a collaboration video with another YouTube beauty specialist or beauty influencer, and they will be happy doing that until some kind of drama starts And then it's all downhill from there. It's no longer about the beauty or no longer about the influencing. And it's all about making the diss video. And it turns into just a whole lot of drama. And it's a very convoluted mess. Do you watch any of that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or is that below you? I'm not really sure what real people think about that kind of crap. I really... I can't say that I do, which is probably going to get me like blacklisted from the beauty community. (laughs) You're probably better off. But I just, I can't get being, I don't, I can't get behind some of this stuff that they, like their talent is there. Don't get me wrong. The talent is there. But skincare, in my personal opinion, is not a trend. Right. There's, there's not, there's not trendy skincare. Just like there's not like trendy running. Sure. It's, it's either good for you or it's not. Sure. 
And sure, there are going to be new brands that show up that have awesome products that become these, you know, cult favorites or heroes or what have you. Um, But doing things sideways and backwards and finding out 15 million different ways to put on winged eyeliner, like, (laughs) let's not reinvent the wheel. Right. (laughs) So that's, I, I can't say that I do. I mean, I do follow quite a few different... Uh, brands or influencers on Instagram, but mainly that's just for like look inspiration, not necessarily sitting through and watching their videos. Sure. I, I've not quite figured out Instagram yet. Uh, I used to have it hooked up to Facebook. So I think anytime I posted a picture on Facebook, it posted to Instagram. I don't know Twitter very well. I, 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 I honestly, uh, just am right in I, I saw somebody posted something the other day that said I pick up new technology like a millennial but I get mad at it like a, a baby boomer and I was like yes I I really uh, relate to that because I I don't know how to Twitter very well um, I don't really understand Instagram I I, I use Facebook and YouTube and uh, that's uh, that's about the extent of that. But I think that what's interesting about the uh, YouTube people is it, it starts out as like a beauty uh, maybe they're they're showcasing beauty products, but it quickly uh, devolves into uh, drama. and I think that's what it's more about than, uh, any kind of real care for what something does to you or or what how, how it may be good or bad. And I'll be honest, I mean, it's, it's trash entertainment. It's definitely a guilty pleasure, and it is definitely not something that young people should be watching, specifically young girls who are getting into starting to wear makeup and just starting to explore that aspect of who they are. I don't think that this is something that people uh, that are impressionable should be watching, and it's definitely something that parents should be keeping an eye on because it really can be damaging, I believe. Uh, A lot of these people who are in these roles who are seen as the quote-unquote influencers are very toxic. They have toxic relationships and they don't handle things appropriately. They don't have a very uh, grounded view of the world and they're not based in reality. And so that can be very scary for uh, parents of young children, uh, moreover young girls, because they are at that age where they're starting to experience Experiment with this stuff and they're watching these people and seeing how they do it and I think they could possibly learn some very toxic and unhealthy behaviors and are, so did you know or are, are you familiar with any of these people like for example uh, Jeffree Star or Trisha Paytas or- oh I know who they are okay 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 good 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 okay yeah and you're you're far better off for it because uh, it's, it is absolutely a train wreck. So that's, uh, if, if any of you, uh, parents out there that have young children that are watching any of this, I would definitely be checking out what they're watching and maybe looking at some parental controls as far as all of this goes. Before we move out of this topic, let me ask you, what do you say to individuals who say that this is some kind of pyramid scheme or it's like all of the other things that you see on Facebook that's like, buy this drink and also sign up to sell it and you'll make millions like me and you're now part of the diamond level. How is this different and what would you say to those that believe that this is some kind of a pyramid scam? So one of the things that I think is... I don't know if comical is the right word, but we're going to go with it. Okay. About the the pyramid scheme argument is if you are working in corporate America, corporate America is a pyramid scheme. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, I, I get that it is necessary and that is what 
puts food on the table and that's where you, you know, get a job, I get it. And I've, I've obviously done it and I need to find another job. I'm still looking, but I, I know that if I am working for a company, be it big, small, or in between, there is probably going to be someone above me who is making more money because of what I am doing for yes. them. And I'm okay with that because I know it's part of it. So that's, that's where I don't, I don't buy the pyramid scheme stuff. Are there schemes, whether they're, you know, normal corporate businesses or direct sales businesses that are horrible and awful and have robbed people of their money? Yes, there are. Yeah. Right. But I don't believe that's true for any type of direct sales ever. Sure I, sure. I don't think you can label all of them that way. Um, and one of the really cool things about beauty counter, like I mentioned earlier, is we do not just partner with people. Um, if you want to buy beauty counter, you can purchase it at Sephora. Okay. And we, the, the entire line is not there, but that is the case for nearly every brand that's carried in Sephora. And the products that we partner with them on rotate. So you're not going sure. to be able to find the same products there all of the time. So it does help direct the consumer to either a freestanding store. Beauty Counter has three of them. Or to just the plain old Beauty Counter website. Or to a consultant. So I think that's really neat. And, and honestly, I... I don't, I've been doing this since August. My goal, because I'm currently unemployed um, by, you know, normal standards, <laughs> was to pay for my twins' preschool. So I have sure. two five-year-olds in preschool right now, which if any parents are listening, yes. you have to know that it's not cheap. Yes. Um, my goal was to pay for them. That was That was the goal off the top. And I can say that... Let's see, August, September, October, November, December. I obviously have not completed December yet. So for four months, three of those four months, I have done that. Okay. Well, that's, and, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So that's, and I have no one underneath me. Like right. I'm not, I'm not sitting here paying for their preschool because I have five people underneath me making me money. <laughs> right. Sure. I'm right. doing this because I enjoy it. Absolutely. And I like, I mean, I take, I take good care of my skin. I enjoy my like morning and nighttime right. skincare routine. <laughs> and that's, that's what it is. So um, if, if you follow me on Facebook, I, I did quite a lengthy rant about the MLM hate and the pyramid scheme hate and all of that. I just, I don't agree with it. If you, if you're going to hate, it, like find something else to hate on because your hate sure. is misplaced. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Uh, that's that's good for people to know. I think that's that's definitely a good thing. All right, I think this might be a great place to take a break, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the 134th episode of Perception Is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbury. She is Amber Green. We'll be right back. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket Technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLS consumer access number 3030. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to work. Episode 134 of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. She is Amber Green, and we are bringing it to you. This episode is the quote-unquote big Christmas 2020 episode, 
And by that, I mean it's not really Christmassy and there has nothing to do really with Christmas in it. We just happen to be recording this a couple days before Christmas. So with that being said, I hope you have a happy Christmas. Have a happy Hanukkah. Whatever holiday it is that you celebrate. Maybe you don't celebrate anything. Happy holidays. Make sure to take care of one another. Be very safe and keep yourselves alive because look, folks, 2020 is almost done. We are knock, knock, knocking on the door to 2021 and you won't want to miss a thing. I can promise it. All right, so getting back into the thick of it, I want to talk about a situation that's currently going on in my hometown, and I want to discuss this. For those of you that don't live in east-central Indiana that are listening, this will have relevance to you. you. You should just be blown away by this, and if you ever hear of something like this happening in your community, you'll know that it's not right, and you should probably uh, bitch about it. So... Come to my attention the other day while I was watching the Board of Works meeting that took place at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, December 16th, that the city engineer, Brian Stevens Hotop, who was appointed by Mayor Ridenour back in December or January, December 2019, January 2020, right when Ridenour took over, he's a first-time mayor, within his first year of his first term as mayor, and he therefore gets to appoint department heads. One of those appointments that he named was Brian Stevens Hotop City Engineer slash Muncie City Street Superintendent. And that's all fine and good, except for the fact that Brian Stevens Hotop is making $350,000 a year. Yep, you heard right. You don't need to adjust your dial. You heard exactly what I said. I didn't put the comma someplace else. I said, Brian Stevens Hotop, as city engineer for the city of Muncie, Indiana, is making $350,000 a year. That's $50,000 less than what the President of the United States of America makes. And I want to bring this to the listener's attention. And meanwhile, I also want to get your opinion, Amber. Have you been following this at all? I've, I've seen some information about that. And um, while I obviously am not an engineer, and <laughs> I do not know what uh, a city engineer does... I can't honestly say that I can see where that type of salary is necessary, especially given that I don't see a whole lot of engineering projects. <laughs> sure, right. Going on. Well, you know, that's that's one of the things, and this is just from a logic standpoint. I mean, if someone says, well, hey, I make $70,000, and I look up, and that job makes $70,000 in this city, and it makes $70,000 over here, and over here they might make 80000 and down here they make sixty, that doesn't sound real crazy to me. But if you say, I make $350,000, and you look up what the city engineer in Bloomington makes, and Westfield, and, you know, Indianapolis... And they're not even cracking $150,000. I have to ask, I, the question even isn't, what is Brian Stevens Hotop? That's, that's his name, uh, the city engineer of the city, uh, in, in Muncie. What, what's, he, what's he worth? Maybe he is worth that much. i got to ask, why are all these other people not worth that much? If, if the, the engineer from Chicago is doing it for $120,000... Why don't we steal him away, have him come down here where the cost of living is much cheaper, give him $180,000, and still save a shit ton of money? I yeah, just, I, I, I saw your graph yeah, chart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. that's a chart. And, and I, had to, I had to question the same thing. I don't, I am never, so I'm never the type of person that you will hear say, they make, and I mean, I'm using the term they sure. 
as, as a blanket term, they make too much. Um, because I believe that if you have worked hard and you have, you know, all of these other qualifications that allow you to make that much, like like people that complain, oh, well, the, the CEO of McDonald's makes more than the cashier. Well, no shit. Right. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. If I worked my ass off and became a CEO, I would like to think that I deserve more than the the entry level position, so to speak. Absolutely. But I also think each job category has a cap. Right. And I think I question it more being that Muncie has not exactly been the best at managing finances. Yep. In the past. Yep. So that is a, a bit of a concern. And because it this has all changed since like these salary changes have happened over time. This was not yeah. the original agreed right. upon amount. They just randomly right. keep changing. The when the, when the job was first when the job was first offered, the, f- the original contract was for one hundred and seventy five thousand uh, dollars. I'm glad we're talking about this because I haven't covered this in a podcast. So for those that don't listen to the live videos that I do, this is a good time to hear this. We have a city engineer who was offered a job in January of this year, so just 12 months ago, and that contract was for $175,000. And I thought that was quite a bit then, honestly. I thought that was quite a bit then. Um, But I was told by people that I definitely respect that he's worth every penny of it. Okay, great. Well, then in July of this year, I was actually on my way to Texas, and I was watching the Board of Works where they would have to go get this this contract approved. And the mayor went there, and they got a contract approval for $300,000. The Board of Works meeting is on a a Wednesday morning. That means this guy went to work on Tuesday making $175,000. And he went to work the next day, and he received a $300,000 raise. Which is just absolutely asinine. I, I just don't understand that. And so he's been floating along, doing you know wonderfully well at that, uh, with, on top of the 175. And then after that, he received this fifty thousand dollar raise just last last week, uh, uh, December sixteenth is is when he received this. And you know the the original math that I had. Uh, had him at five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars because I think that was there was a sliding scale there, and the mayor got up and said, "No, no, no, he's not making five hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. He's only making three hundred fifty thousand. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, he's only making that. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> that's just nuts to me. I have prior law enforcement experience. Your husband is in law enforcement." And I have a strong respect for those people in public safety. If we have this kind of money to throw around, I want this to be going to our police, fire, and EMS personnel. They deserve every bit that we can possibly give them. And especially here in Muncie, Indiana, we have a serious issue with our police officers who come on, they get trained, and then in quick order, they go off to another department because it's safer and they take less calls and they get paid more money. So our guys are not paid very much at all, but yet we have someone for the city of Muncie working as a city engineer making $350,000, which is $250,270,290,300,000 more than most other people who work in city government, literally in any city, town, or county anywhere in Indiana or throughout the United States. Period. The President of the United States of America makes $400,000 a year. Why does Brian Stevens Hotop 
as a city engineer in Muncie, Indiana, make $50,000 less than the President of the United States of America. The mayor only makes $70,000. What is Brian Stevens Hotop doing that literally no one else in the United States does or can do or deserves to be paid as much as? And here's the kick in the face. He's able to get paid $350,000, but he doesn't pay anything back into Muncie or Delaware County's tax base because he doesn't live here. He lives in Carmel, Indiana. So the taxpayer dollars that makes up his astronomical paycheck are good enough to pay to him, but he's not good enough to live here and pay back into the Muncie, Delaware County economy. He doesn't pay property taxes here. He doesn't really eat here other than when he might be eating at lunch. Who knows what goes on there? But he's not paying any real tax money here in the city that is paying him an absolutely astronomical amount of money. He gets his paycheck and he takes his ass home and he pays into that tax base there. I just don't understand. Is that why we're paying him that? Does he does he need that salary to fit in there? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And, and this is this is an honest question. I I'm not being a smart aleck. Did we uh, because I didn't really get involved with local politics until, you know, the FBI came to town. Sure. <laughs> Did prior mayors choose city engineers? And if so, were they making any way, anything? Well, that's, that is a really good question. So basically, the short answer is... Yes, Muncie has had city engineers in the past. They were paid well, but they didn't receive anything close to that amount. Now, Muncie has paid large amounts of money to various other engineering firms for this project or that project. And that is something that the sycophants of the mayor likes to point out to say, well, Brian Stevens Hotop is worth every penny, but that just doesn't fly. I'm sorry, that does not fly. If you have in the city of Indianapolis a city engineer who's not making $300,000 there is no reason the city engineer in the city of Muncie should be making that. But the, the short answer is, yes, Muncie has had city engineers before. No, they haven't been paid anywhere close to this. But I do want to throw out the fact that it has been a while since Muncie has had a city engineer. There wasn't necessarily a city engineer under the last mayor's administration or the mayor before that. It's probably been 10 or so years since there has been a city engineer, but when that person was in office, they were not paid anything that was equal to what Brian Stevens Hotop is making now. And I've got to be honest, this only hurts Mayor Ridenour. He's in his first 12 months, his first year of his first term as mayor, and it has not really went very well at all. And to end the year with this fiasco is just not a good thing for him because whether he wants to buy into it or not, over this last week, I have been in contact with several high rollers in Muncie who are just trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this city engineer situation. And I'll be really honest, they're not happy with what's happening. Now, moving on to something that might be just a little bit lighter. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's worse than this deal with Brian Stevens Hotop making $350,000 a year. Uh, a Muncie man has put Muncie in the spotlight and the headlines all over the United States and all over the internet because he sued his parents who lived in Michigan because they destroyed his $25,000 pornography and sex toy collection. And he was pretty pissed off and wanted to take them to federal court. Amber, did you see the story? I don't think a headline could quite sum up 2020 any better 
<laughs> yes. It's a, a, a really brief article. It says, Muncie man wins suit against parents who destroy his porn. A Muncie man who has won a federal lawsuit against his parents who destroyed his extensive collection. I like that, that word, extensive collection of pornography. David Working, 42, filed a suit last year against his parents, Paul and Beth Working of Grand Haven, Michigan, in U.S. District Court in Michigan's Western District. He said after he lived with his parents for a time in 2016 and 17, they destroyed several boxes of materials he had left behind in their home, including DVDs, VHS tapes, and sex toys. Some of the property was pornographic in nature, the lawsuit said. None of the property was illegal. In recent weeks, U.S. District Court Judge Paul Maloney ruled on a summary judgment in the plaintiff's favor, stating that the defendants needed to pay for the damage or the loss of the Muncie man's pornography collection. The judge rejected the parents' contention that David had abandoned the property. The Muncie man said his parents were given until mid-February to file written submissions on the issue of damages. Working had previously estimated the value of his pornography collection at more than $25,000. The lawsuit referred to a January 2018 email that Paul Working allegedly sent to his son. I do not possess your pornography, the email said. It is gone. It has either been destroyed or disposed of. I may have missed a few items that are now in your possession, but at this point, if you don't have it, it's gone. Ditto for your sex toys and smutty magazines. <laughs> I love this. At another point, the elder working allegedly wrote, Frankly, David, I did you a big favor for getting rid of all of this stuff for you. The prosecutor's office in Ottawa County, Michigan, declined to file criminal charges in the case because apparently he had filed a police report, which would be amazing. I ought to file a records request and get that. Uh, a, deputy's <laughs> a deputy's report indicated the younger working had sent the office more than 40 emails that contained lists of DVDs and VHS tapes and different sex toys that he stated wait, are missing. Wait a second. Did you just say VHS tape? Oh, yes. What I just read here is out of the Muncie paper, the Star Press. But in the original article that I read, they listed some of the names, like, for example, Big Bad Grandmas. Which is just I, fantastic. I, I do believe that was grannies. You're absolutely right. Big bad grannies. I do not want to get that masterpiece wrong. Please forgive me. Now, one of the other key factors that was not in this Star Press article was the original article stated that he lived with his parents because he was, in fact, divorced. Yeah, and that's I, just, I was just getting ready to bring up. <laughs> I, I can't understand why this man is divorced. Well, he should have known. So this is my favorite part, especially coming from a female perspective. <laughs> he should have known that when his wife divorced him, and I'm I'm just assuming that she is the one that filed here. Right. Sue me if I'm wrong. He should have known that when she divorced him and took enough from him that he had to move back in with his parents, <laughs> but yet did not want his almost $30,000 in porn that something was wrong. Cause, right. Because she she didn't want that. Like, if there's just $30,000 sitting there. Sure. Any smart woman is going to be like, okay. Sure. Let's, let's lay that on the table. But she knew there ain't nobody stupid enough to pay that much for porn anymore. <laughs> right, right. Well, now, wait a minute. We don't know. Maybe it was like $60,000. Maybe she did take half of it. Oh, that's <laughs> Maybe <laughs> maybe it was the porn collection was sixty thousand dollars worth of porn, and you know maybe she took uh you know big bad grandpas. I think a moment ago you started to ask who pays for pornography anymore, and I was going to agree with you because in the age of smartphones and tablets and computers everywhere and Pornhub and other sites like that, it's all right there at your fingertips for free. If you go searching in the right areas, sometimes if you go searching not even in the right areas, you'll find it. But that leads me to the big battle that Pornhub has been having in this last week. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but the credit card companies Visa and MasterCard both pulled out, no pun intended, this week from allowing Pornhub to use their service, or moreover, Pornhub to collect money from its users 
through Visa or MasterCard due to a New York Times investigation where the columnist Nick Kristoff found that Pornhub was allowing users to upload videos that aren't so nice, such as revenge porn, uh, pornography that includes rape or child abuse. And this has been a big deal. And a lot of people are applauding Visa and MasterCard. But there are a lot of implications here for what's going on. Because, look, nobody is a fan of anything that is illegal. They should not allow child pornography or sex traffic victims to be on there. They should not allow revenge porn. Everything should be consensual between two adults or actual pornography produced by uh, the porn industry. That stuff's all okay. But for somebody to put something on here that is illegal, Pornhub should absolutely govern that a lot better than they do. All websites like this should govern that. And this has serious implications. It's, it's really crazy. As someone who has a visa, yeah, I thought, are they really telling me where, not that I'm purchasing anything from Pornhub, let's clear that <laughs> up right now, but is is my you know credit or debit card now allowed to tell me where I can and cannot spend my money? Yeah, that's, 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 that's the frightening part right there. I mean, I can see it from the business side too, like that's... Yeah, that's yeah. a very slippery slope. It, 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 it really is because are they now telling you where you can spend and how you can spend money? Yeah, yeah, not a fan of that. Absolutely. We are definitely living in a brave, new, strange, crazy world. Uh, so let me ask you, was this as uh, bad as you thought it would be? Oh, I didn't think it was going to be bad. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's awfully good because I think you did a fantastic job. Obviously, we didn't have a whole lot planned out, this being an introduction episode and also recording it just a couple days before Christmas. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about, but I think that we gelled. I think it went well. I feel like you have no problem talking. Hopefully, it's something that the audience likes to listen to. And yeah, I feel like this was a good fit you're clearly welcome back next time i would love to uh, continue moving forward with you as a member of the show uh, obviously keep in mind anything that you want to talk about you are more than welcome to bring up to me beforehand or on the spot however you want to do it that is fine by me we will go ahead and call this a wrap amber you did a fantastic job i would love to have you back happy to be here yeah. i look forward to doing this again i absolutely agree fantastic all right ladies and gentlemen she is amber green i am christopher h bilbury this has been the 134th episode of perception is reality for all of us here at the show we want to wish you a very merry christmas happy hanukkah or whatever it is that you celebrate happy holidays folks be safe god bless and we'll talk to you again real soon you've been listening to perception is reality with christopher H. Bilbrey. Remember to like and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm or on your favorite podcast hosting site. Also help spread the word and share the show with everyone you know. We can be found by searching for Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey or by simply Googling Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. To call or text the show, dial 765-546-9796 or email us at khbilbrey at gmail.com. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash bilbrey318. Until next time, remember to get educated, get involved, and remain active.